Abdominal separation is like the keto of the right now. <laughs> like that's where yes. like, <laughs> there are relationships that we know in evidence, but we aren't being, we aren't teaching, which are a C-section scar can cause chronic back pain if it's not worked on, you know, like a, a certain tear can cause pain with intercourse, um, even if it's healed. And like those things you don't have to live with. And what people are telling these women are, oh yeah, you, you have a scar. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Laurel, say your last name for me. Oh, gosh. I need Prue. to know how to say it. Prue. Prue. I was right. Okay. Because I was like, okay. Prue. So I know a little bit of French, and it looks so French I was like, that I was like, I'm just going to make sure. Well, that my grandmother's name right. was Genevieve Prue. Shut the front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get people all the time going, Genevieve, and I'm always like, Genevieve. Genevieve Prue. I get so Genevieve and Genevieve. We're getting real French up in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Listen, well, people. Okay, so today we are so freaking excited to welcome my good friend Laurel Prue, who is a doctor of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. She's also an ortho- orthopedic board certified specialist, um, and she has really extensive and advanced training experience in women's health. And we're going to talk a lot about pelvic health physical therapy today. Yeah, we are. Um, And her professional experience has really taken her from working with high-level athletes, which is kind of where our first conversations originated, um, because I was working with athletes in nutrition, and both of us having similar frustrations and working with said (laughs) athletes with them not wanting to, like, slow down or listen to us or do anything that they're supposed to do. Um, (laughs) But she's kind of moved more toward, like, helping moms get back to feeling like themselves in that like fourth trimester space. She's also provided amputee rehabilitation and then leads wow. research within the Department of Defense to improve diagnosis and treatment of pelvic pain um, within the female active duty military population, which I think is freaking awesome. Amazing. Oh my gosh, girl. I can't like, it's like one breath. I try to get it all out. That every was, you I'm are. really impressed. I'm, I try. <laughs> um, but what I'm excited to talk about and, um, and, like really dive deeper into is like what you're really passionate about and just continue learning in your field. I feel like you're going to be one of those people who just always takes it to the next level. And so guys, let's pay attention to what Miss Laurel is doing because she's (laughs) going to start leading this field because this field is very small right now. Let's, let's do what you're into right now because I want to get to know Laurel. Oh, what are we into? What's some super dorky thing you're doing right now? doesn't have to be anything to do with your profession or anything. Nutrition, lifestyle, you're doing meditation, you're trying to get zen with crystals. What's happening in your life? The only like wacky thing that 
I'm not even going to know that's going to go down a rabbit hole. Okay. What am I actually <laughs> into? <laughs> so where we are living is the most rural environment I have ever been in, in my entire life living wise. Um, and now that I'm newly like working from home full time and back in the student life and we're sharing a car cause we only shipped one car over to Germany. I'm alone a lot. I am alone a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to going to like a coffee shop around humans to work. And um, so I just switch from like the home office to the couch, to the kitchen table. I have a solid rotation happening there. And so what I've been most excited about, about being back in Texas for class are coffee shops. And this morning I had an iced coffee that had so many unnecessary ingredients in it because I could. Because <laughs> you could. There was a hemp milk happening. There was a rosemary syrup that I felt great about. Whoa. I was like, well, fancy. Yeah. No, I got unnecessarily complicated. Um, and breakfast tacos because tacos don't exist in Germany and they're my favorite food. Sad. So there was like an egg, bacon, avocado, corn tortilla, tomatillo salsa. That's what I'm into. I'm into a coffee shop and a breakfast taco today. <laughs> oh, hells yeah. And I talked to humans while I worked, and it was the most refreshing experience of my life. That's amazing. Oh, I love that you loved that. It's yeah, like, like some it's people, all I need. Yeah, some people don't pay attention to the details sometimes. They're just like, I'm just going to go to a coffee shop. Just whatever. You know, I'm just well, going to. You know. I was one of those people before you're alone for five days. And you feel like <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. You notice the little things after that. <laughs> yes. And I like the feeling lonely as, a, as someone who works from home is like, it's a real, real, but for those of us who actually have respite in the fact that we can drive 10 miles at least, or, you know, somewhere around there and hit a car. Right. <laughs> That's like loneliness, a whole new level. Loneliness and disappointment are my two least favorite emotions to feel. Um, and so I've taken some action steps to not let this happen when I go back. <laughs> oh, good for you. And found that there are coffee shops. A quick 45-minute train ride to the next city over. Yeah, wow. but you know what? You can work on the train ride, too. Right. Or listen yeah. to a podcast. Like, you can use that for, like, self-care time. Right. So, so yeah, you're going to have to work that in for sure. Mm-hmm. Trains are a thing. You know what's an interesting thing too is actually like virtual work days. So I have done this with like masterminding buddies where like you all hop on a Zoom call and you all are just working. You're just doing your own thing, but then you have the chit chat like you're at a coffee shop. Mm. So I've heard about this. I'm interested. I'm okay. also interested. People told me like that there are like PhD support groups <laughs> for people that are doing their PhDs at distance and you don't really have a cohort that you're working on the same thing with but you're going through the same like stresses. So I'll look into that as well. Dude, that's good. That makes so much sense. Is that community? I crave it. We love that community shit. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, need it, crave it, cultivate it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. So for me, I'm really into the no makeup makeup look right now because one, I'm trying to be better about a little bit of like the self-care of using my skills, using my products every day, because it's really easy when you don't really like see a lot of people during the day to get ready. But it's such a, like a mental thing for me. If I'm ready for the day, I think I perform better. I do better. And just as simple as like putting on a little eyebrows and putting my mascara on, honestly, and then just like 
simple, simple cover up, maybe a little mattifying powder, done. You know, even just doing that has been such a big deal for my psyche <laughs> that it's become my what's up, like what I'm, what I'm into, like I'm, I'm into the no yeah, makeup. So makeup. tell me, yeah, tell me what is in the no makeup makeup look. Ah, okay. So that's the, I, I woke up like this look. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're just saying my every always. And like, 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 oh, this is when I actually thought I tried. <laughs> right. Correct. <laughs> like when people think that I roll same. out of bed and do my makeup every day. Yes, I have a vanity. Yes, I have way too much makeup. Yes, I have a lot of brushes. But truthfully, like the every day, I really don't wear that much makeup on a daily basis. And I'm lucky if I put it on sort of mm. a thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm going to lose my skills. I'm like, I need to be like, doing more. So I've got things in the works for that. But as far as like, I'm actually really digging this simplified look that seems to be going on in the makeup community. Like it's super nice to be able to go on my Instagram. And normally these women that are like, I mean, full face stage style, like just beautiful makeup artistry are starting to tone it down. And it's a skill. It's kind of like minimalism. And every aspect, you know, sometimes decorating in your house with minimalism is hard. And makeup. Yeah, yes, actually, <laughs> actually, it's a very European thing to do, actually. So, <laughs> so, and it takes a little bit of skill to decide where to put what and what to use and yada, yada, yada. So, so please teach us. Okay. Please teach us. Yeah. Brows and mascara go a long way. Right? That's pretty, yeah. But most I'm people, with Laurel here, like, that's pretty much every day for me. Well, I'm like, for us blondies, I don't have any face definition if I don't have eyebrows and mascara. I look like a baby child. Yeah. And for me, I don't, I have dark hair, but my eyebrows are filled in right now. And like, mm. I don't have color in my eyebrows. So I kind of can relate. My hairs mm-hmm. are colored, but they're thick and spart, like sparse as far as like mm-hmm. density goes. So I look like a different person when I don't have eyebrows on, so I can at least relate. So the no makeup, makeup look. No makeup, makeup looks my Which thing. Is- basically my everyday. <laughs> Cheers to you, Laurel. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> but what about you, Cassie? What are you into? Um, right now I'm into taking care of myself. Yeah, you That's are. What I'm trying awesome. to do. I should have seen that frittata when she came in. I was like, oh yeah, I had some frittata Ooh. before we started recording. So, um, I have been putting off a lot of self-care. I think this is like the theme of my WhatsApp every single week because I'm really bad at it. Um, no, but girl, you're busy. I'm adjusting. Yeah. So I'm working with a practitioner and we talked about, I'm so used to eating keto and that's kind of my jam. And that's what I tend to do. Cause I, that's how I feel good. Um, blood sugar wise and all sorts of other things. And it's easy. Like I can eat keto and I don't, and maintain my weight and I don't have to think about it and it's great. Um, but my body is literally like, give me some effing carbs right now or I will murder you. <laughs> that's how my body is feeling right now. So I'm listening reluctantly after three months of it telling me that. And I've been doing like put myself basically on like a macros meal plan. So um, not doing it's like whatever you want to call it, like flexible dieting or whatever, but I'm just keeping track and getting Mm. a good gauge of what I need because I tend toward under eating. So like when we talk about tracking nutrition, Mm. I get real fiery about people going nuts with it and like counting calories and counting carbs, protein, fat, all those things. It's, there's a time and a place for it. And for me, the time and place is when I'm under eating. And that is where I tend anyway, especially when I'm eating keto because you're just, I'm just never hungry. So, um, now I'm hungry because I'm eating carbs (laughs) (laughs) and like good and bad thing every two or three hours, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but 
it, it, uh, it's a good adjustment. I've only been doing it really honestly for like four or five days now and I feel really good. So, but your Instagram, Instagram stories have been bomb. I've been enjoying them. Thank you. Like I loved your story. When you talked about this, you broke it down in Instagram stories. I think it was fantastic where you, cause I think when people can just like with the coffee shop thing and feeling like I'm kind of feeling lonely, like it's being able to speak your truth gives people the room to feel their truth. And yeah. I don't think there's enough people speaking about those things. So I love that. So good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's hard to talk about um, f- like fussing with your nutrition as a nutritionist because people just expect you to have your shit together all the time. Or that's what we think, <laughs> what but they mean? don't. Like they understand that you're also a human being and have, you know, time constraints and like, having a kid and having several businesses and whatever, you know, it takes up that time. So yeah. I'm trying to, um, you know, work in to get a much better routine um, and which we're going to be talking about on the podcast. Um, I think it might actually air before this episode. <laughs> Soon, if not yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be talking a bit about having like a self-care routine that actually sticks. So. Well, it takes more than knowledge to like change behavior, you know, like it's the same thing that I, ignorance is bliss. It's easier to not know. <laughs> and then once you know, you really have to like put forth so much more effort to change the actual behavior routine or whatever but yeah no better do better I do the same thing I mean yeah no better do better but sometimes yeah (laughs) I think the hardest hardest part for me is just remembering that I don't need to be my own practitioner like that's the Mm -hmm. that's the real real and it's hard when you're a very good practitioner who wants to find someone who is at least as if not more more capable than you are right and so finding that is hard in and of itself Um, but you know, within that space, there's, I, it's hard to find someone who knows like the pocket of things that I want them to know to be effective for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm working, I'm definitely tapping into my own knowledge for my health and nutrition, but listening to my practitioner as far as like, what is your body asking for right now? Cause clearly you're not listening. (laughs) Awesome. So anyways, that's what, that's what I'm into right now. I love it. Trying. But what I'm excited to talk about and, um, and like really dive deeper into is like what you're really passionate about and just continue learning in your field. I feel like you're going to be one of those people who just always takes it to the next level. And so guys, let's pay attention to what Miss Laurel is doing because she's going to start leading this field because this field is very small right now. Needed. Um, well, I, so- yeah, I feel like it's actually like, it's big but we've siloed ourselves. Like, I feel like the pelvic health PT world has stayed very like medical, you know, only getting patients from OB-GYN or urology. And we are just finally starting to work our way into this wellness space and like working with gyms, working with athletic moms, because we haven't done a good job of like educating the public and advertising for ourselves. And so fitness professionals are filling the gap of what people want to know. Um, And then we're like, is that right? I have some things to say. And so I finally feel like we're like coming out of, you know, our own little silos to help fill that need a little bit more instead of just like trends and gadgets and like jade eggs sold to you by goop, you know, like, Oh, I love that. You just oh, that. <laughs> Thank you for Sorry. Saying that. I just dropped it, but like they no, just settled good. things. So I feel like it's been published. It's not me. Like, 
<laughs> no, but but we need more people improving literacy in our space and yeah. our in our wellness space and teaching us about okay, well, what's what's really happening during this right. time of life, and then how how do we tap into ourselves to know what we need help yes. with or what's what's normal, what's not normal, yes. um, all of that, which we're definitely going to get into today, and I'm so excited. So um, first of all, I want to congratulate you because you're launching your business. Oh my gosh. I have been Guys. a practitioner on the other end of this, waiting to have someone to refer to for this very thing. And so, the fact that you're going to be doing it within your business is so exciting. So tell us more about Femme Unfolding. Yeah. So Femme Unfolding um, has been a little passion project. First of all, I always said I would never own my own practice because private practice is um, terrifying. And basically in the physical therapy space, to me, that meant like having to take all the insurance companies and handle all this. I mean, there's just a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, and instead, due to kind of where we geographically are and where life has taken us, I decided telehealth um, and online education was a better space for me to start out. So um, FEM Unfolding, FEM, F-E-M, stands for Functional Evidence-Based Movement. Um, so functional meaning most pelvic health PTs, old school. I'm going old school. I won't say most now because I think we do better now. Um, but basically just did testing of you like laying on your back and sitting up. And it was very um, elementary or basic function when you left their office. They weren't weaning you into whatever like recreation or real life function you needed to do. So um, functional has also been kind of taken up by the fitness community, um, which I have mixed feelings about because I really feel like you, it's really just whatever you want to do is your, it should be goal oriented. Um, and then evidence-based, I'm real sick of people taking advantage of like desperate postpartum knowledge seeking women and selling them a crap six week program, (laughs) 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 which (laughs) which we'll get into. Um, But there are just lots of really good evidence-based information and we do have research now. And so I feel like deciphering that for people in a digestible way. So not just giving them the stats, but like, what does that mean for you is important. And then movement, obviously I'm a physical therapist, but really it's about like an educational movement to empower women to not need, um, not need someone full time, like visit me a couple times. Let me teach you about your body. And then that way you can be your own advocate and monitor yourself through a program. So that sounds amazing. That sounds like everything I've ever wanted. It sounds like it. Me too. Let's see if it goes well. (laughs) Oh girl. Yeah. I don't think you've ever done anything that didn't go well. You're not that human. Um, so I, I love this. I think honestly, you know, and this is something that we talked about during our episode with Liz Winters as well, but uh, you know, there's just a lot of questions in that fourth trimester space. And yes. then, you know, moving forward, we talk about how postpartum is forever, right? Yeah. And it's a scary time. You don't really understand what's happening in your body. Your body is completely new and different than it used to be. Yes. So we're all trying to get back to, which drives me mm. nuts, mm-hmm. um, to get back to like our pre-baby weight or our pre-baby body or whatever. Yeah. Do you know how like this works because structurally you're literally never going to be the same human being ever again. You aren't. (laughs) Um, So 
Yeah. Sorry. That was blunt, but um, no, just, no. You're, yeah. um, you're not, but it doesn't mean that you can't do the same things that you enjoyed or you can't get back like aesthetically if that's what, what you're worried about. But really in the fourth trimester, like my dream, my goal for every woman would be to have a pelvic health PT that they see before um, delivering, before giving birth so that you know kind of what, um, educate on what to expect those first few weeks, because you're not going to be going into a pelvic health PT the first couple weeks. You're going to be sleeping and nursing and taking care of your perineum that no one told you that you needed to take care of with some weird squirt bottle. And like, these are the things that no one's telling you. And so I really think like an educational session before, and then they, you could also learn how to push a baby out, which no one tells you is a thing that you can learn. Um, and then really like check in at three weeks before that six week checkup, because that's really when we can set your body up to heal, like create an environment for healing. So it's not about what you're doing. It's about like how you're doing it. There's no yes or no set of exercises that are going to heal your abdominals, heal your pelvic floor. But there are some little things like, for instance, we talked about structure. So you all know you carry babies. Your ribs have expanded, right? And your ribs may be setting up kind of, we call it like a bell rung up where your ribs are kind of thrusted forward. That's going to affect how you breathe. That's going to affect how your abdominals heal. And then that's going to affect how your pelvic floor functions because your diaphragm and your pelvic floor work in synchrony. Like as you breathe, your pelvic floor should lower. As you exhale, your pelvic floor should rise. So seeing someone in those three weeks can be like, hey, when you're standing, do a little body check-in. Let's check in on our ribs. Let's check in to see where our feet are. Are they still pointed out like we're carrying a baby or can we point them forward so that our, our hips and our pelvis start to heal a little better? Like it's not rocket science, but it's not being done. The education is not being done. No, not even close. Like I, basically after I had my baby, it was like, I saw a lactation specialist and that was pretty much it. But they're, especially from my second baby, I was like, I really wanted some help. I, I needed yeah. some guidance because everything felt different my second time around even than did the first. And just having somebody even mentioning to me some of those things might have made me think differently about everything. Right. Or if you have concerns at that point, we can call the doctor. And even though, you know, you should be checking in with that person within the first six weeks, you know, whoever um, helped you deliver, if we make a call and say, you know, this really isn't healing the way that we want it to, um, we will not do, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, hopefully, but pelvic health physical therapists do do intervaginal muscle assessments of your <laughs> pelvic floor. We won't be doing that before six weeks, before clearance from your doctor. That's not mm -hmm. our job. Um, but there are things that we can do so that, that that starts healing. And we can look externally. If you had, if you tore or if you had an episiotomy, we can make sure that, that that's healing effectively. Um, just little things like that, that having an, another person on your team and having another advocate um, can ch really check things quicker, make sure things don't become chronic. Um, and then at that six weeks is really where we can help you here's what they're checking for your six week. <laughs> they're making sure you're not, no organs are falling out and that you're not bleeding anymore. Basic. That does not, that does not equal 
you can start running now. <laughs> oh. No, this is not like, this does not make an optimal human being, right? Right. Ugh, oh, it's so frustrating. Okay, before we get too deep into this, because I know yes, we're sorry, I'm on a roll. No, girl, I love <laughs> it so much. Um, tell us more about like what brought you to pelvic health mm-hmm. physical therapy, because I know it was there was a really big turning point for you. Yeah. So first, just going into physical therapy was kind of a women's health experience of my own. I was a 15 year old who had um, like terrible, terrible, um, orthopedic pain from softball. And every doctor that did every type of imaging, um, said that it was in my head. They couldn't find anything. And a girl your age with this much pain, it has to be psychosomatic. Oh, of course. You're crazy. And I went through this for like nine months, like could not even lift my arm to my hair to brush my hair, couldn't pull on my own pants. And I was like a healthy 15 year old girl. Um, my parents were like relentless in finding me help because they saw how much pain I was in and found a doctor in Atlanta, Georgia. No, Birmingham, Alabama. And um, they diagnosed me in like 30 minutes. We drove down there. My parents drove me from Kansas City, Missouri to Birmingham, Alabama for a doctor's appointment because they're the best. Um, (laughs) I would get along with your parents just fine. No, really. They really really are the best. How long was that? (laughs) Is that a long drive? I know. Oh, it's like days, like two days. days. It's not, I drove yeah. eight hours for one of my kids' appointments once. But. Right. But like you will do whatever you have to do. Right. And after, you know, 30 minutes and being diagnosed and scheduled for surgery, like the next day, my parents asked like, what, why couldn't anyone else diagnose them? And they said, because she's a 15 year old girl and they treat professional athletes and they're not, she's not worth their time. <gasps> Yeah. Oh. I just got so wild. I, I just got yeah. <gasps> right, like, it, like the juice was not worth the squeeze for them. And so, right, right. So then I decided to go into physical therapy and really like work with young female athletes was my jam um, and teach them how to properly train their bodies and how to like, what does listening to your body mean? What is okay? What's not okay? Um, and that was my first PT job was working with like, triathletes and amazing yogis and like these women that were just incredible, incredible athletes. And then one woman walked into the door, like as I was walking out, it was 7 PM. I was exhausted. And she was like, I just found this place. I'm wondering if you'll take me. Um, and this was at a point where like, I was feeling pretty burnt out, not feeling fulfilled by what I was doing. And having serious questions with God every night, like, where am I supposed to be? Show me, please, because I thought this was it, but I don't think this is it. Um, And literally, this woman walked in and poured her heart out to me at the front desk about some terrible, terrible pelvic pain she was having after she had had an unexpected pregnancy and then an unexpected miscarriage, and no one was able to give her answers. And she had guilt and shame like you would not believe because she thought it was all her fault. I've been to so many doctors and I had had a little bit of women's health experience from PT school, didn't know enough to like help her, but knew enough to find her resources and who she needed to go to. Um, And it was from that point on that I was like, these women are not being heard and they just keep going through testing she had been like on antibiotics for months because of a UTI that didn't exist. 
Like, oh my God. That's not uncommon. Even if they don't find no, anything, they'll put them on. Yeah. Um, and it's muscular guys. Like it's, it's your central nervous system and it's your pelvic floor. And there are muscular origins of pain and visceral origins of pain. They're not infectious. Um, and you're not going to see on imaging. And so that's where it really started for me. Um, it took me a couple years to get there. Like the continued education is whoa expensive. Um, but now I'm here and I'm getting my, I'm doing my PhD research in pelvic pain because of that woman. Oh, cool. Um, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I sent her, she sent me like, we stay in touch via email because I, I have issues with boundaries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to though, like those pivotal people who are part of your story like that, they're so important. And like, I'm sure how much peace of mind does she have knowing someone saw that need and said something needs to be done about this? Yeah. And she, she ended up finding an amazing practitioner up in LA. We were living in San Diego at the time. Um, and I didn't realize, so that practitioner in LA invited me up and was like, I'll show you how to treat her. So she doesn't have to make the drive. She's incredible. Wow. She's fantastic. Um, and then I didn't realize until I took my first course (laughs) in women's health and like every slide is referencing this woman. Like she is the, like wrote the literal book on pelvic pain. Um, and I was like, yeah, I know her. I've been to her office. What are you talking about? Everybody doesn't know her. Um, (laughs) this is is like the Laurel that I know. Like you just, of course you're going to land in in the top practitioner's office to teach you like just right there how to, how to fix people. That's when you know you're in the right space though. When things just happen into your freaking Mm -hmm. wow. You are meant to be there. That's amazing. Yeah. So detour to San Antonio, get a lot of research experience, treat it in, you know, a pelvic health only clinic um, in Nashville for a little bit, which was crazy and awesome. And just like learning from, you know, drinking from a fire hydrant sort of thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The visual is so real. Like, yeah. (laughs) I feel like Jenna and I just think that anyone we talk to on a consistent basis is just drinking of the fire hydrant that we're spewing. (laughs) Like how we live our lives. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And now I'm started, I'm excited to have my own space where I can kind of meld those worlds of sports medicine and pelvic health, because I feel like that bridge is there but rare and hard to find and we all know each other (laughs) it's also like you know and we were talking about this the other day like it's not individualized enough like we have these programs in place and women who are like like you talk about birth fit or something like that there's lots of great programs out there that are helping women get re-in-touch with their their core and their pelvic floor and that's all well and good but like there's no instruction on like your freaking (laughs) body and like what you need as a human being rather than like the general things that can help you. Right. And my optimal thing would be like to work as a practitioner with someone while they're doing something like that, because I feel like that overlap of rehabilitation and fitness is so fantastic. And one without the other is difficult or thinking that like, you're going to be discharged from the six week PT program where we know exactly what's going on and we've worked really hard on this. And then you're going to be, have no questions once you start a fitness program. When I really think it's important to like 
let's wean off into every other week. You start this, let's see what happens because everyone's threshold is different. Like Mm -hmm. even if those movements are fantastic and healing and it's like this really thoughtful progression that's been made for moms, some mom can do dead bugs and they're going to get their core back. Some mom can do dead dead bugs until their cows come home, but they don't have the strategy. Like their body does not know what, what that strategy is to heal itself. And that's when like individual assessment and really seeing what's going on is important. And there's more to pelvic healing and postpartum than healing your abdominal separation and stress urinary incontinence. Like there's just more to it than that. And here's a little known fact. Everyone after they give birth have an abdominal separation. Like you have to have one to grow a baby. And so some heal on their own and some aren't going to heal, but it may be for a reason that we need to figure out. It's not just because you haven't worked hard enough or you missed a workout or you didn't start until like, I hate, that's what I would hate for a mom to like go through a program and not know their reason and have this like guilt when it is just a quick, quick 30 minutes, lady, we can figure it out. (laughs) And I feel like there's such diversity in symptoms that women go through in postpartum that there really needs to, cause like I've never really feel like I've been able to relate to the abdominal separation because I, but I I have other things that I'm working on. I'm working on, I'm working on a strength in my back and trying to make sure that I've got stability in my core because I feel like it's gone. Yeah. No matter. And I had a great strength in my core post pre babies. And I'm like, well, I don't hear anybody talking about that, but I hear a lot of people talking about healing that separation, but I'm like, I don't relate to that. You know? So I think that there's, there's the abdominal separation is like the keto of the right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's where, (laughs) that's where, but really like, you know, a seat, there are relationships that we know in evidence, but we aren't being, we aren't teaching, which are a C-section scar can cause chronic back pain if it's not worked on, you know, like a, a certain tear can cause pain with intercourse, um, even if it's healed, even if it, you know. Look at me not, over here, like raising my hand. Yup. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like those things you don't have to live with. And what people are telling these women are, oh yeah, you, you have a scar oh yeah, you just gave birth, your hips are going to hurt. Or, you know, yeah, you had, you had two C-sections and so you have the possibility of low back pain. Um, when really like we can work on all those things and educating moms on how to mobilize scar tissue or, you know, doing Kegels in a corner to strengthen your pelvic floor when it could just be like the strategy, like the breathing strategy you're using to lift your kid's car seat up or how to reach over in the car to get your kid's car seat up. Oh, and man. it looks a lot like a deadlift. Like if we, pra- if we practice that hip hinge and like how to use your core. Yeah. Man, that baby in that car seat. Well, and can we just talk about how like there are so many new awkward movements that enter your life after you have a child that you've never done before. Especially and you're on a regular basis. Like, like picking, holding a car seat like up and away from your body so that it doesn't hit you or like under, like on your arm 
or like reaching over to like rub your kids back while they're in their crib and you're trying to put them to bed, breastfeeding where you're like hunched over. There's so many different things where you just literally mess your body up because it's not, it's not a thing you're used to doing. So you're probably definitely not going to do it correctly. And no one's instructing anybody on to do how to do those things correctly. And it's repetitive. It's repetitive and Very. it's on a body that's healing. Like, and it's often one-sided too. Yes. Right? Also, the video that goes around on like how to properly pick up the car seat where you're like wrapping your arm around. Have you seen this? No. Oh, no, do tell. No. Okay. It's so it's much. No, it's not the right way. It's well-intentioned. And it theory is like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a lot less, you know, on your back and your shoulder. I've tried it and it's not, I can't. I don't understand. I just don't get it. And if someone could come up with a car seat that doesn't make a mom like support the car seat with her belly as she's like arching back or like leaning over to one side, because I just feel, I just feel terrible about it. Yeah. I did see a little car seat though that like has wheel, like it's almost like a, um, like a rolly suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be all over that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, the the heat like your hormones are making tissue lax so like the connective tissue cartilage ligaments um, tendons so your body's trying to grab on for dear life for stability with muscles because there's not some like good connective stability there um, you're not falling apart I don't want you to think like you're fragile but you're you know there's just a change in priority of how your body's being utilized and so if there isn't that good, strong connective tissue, your body's using muscle and kind of muscle is holding on. That's not supposed to hold on. Like I tell them our movers become our stabilizers because our stabilizers aren't working and your movers get like these knots in them. Um, they, they don't have good blood flow. Like there's a lot of different microbiology happening in, in there that can cause pain. Um, so yeah, learning like what stretches you could be doing, some different positioning, and then also like how to support yourself. I'm all about an external support that first, that fourth trimester, like those first 12 weeks, um, not, please do not ever use a waist censure or like a, that sort of thing, but something from the bottom up, like a compress, like a high-waisted compression short, like a high-waisted compression yoga pant, like mm. those Ooh, I naturally wore those anyway because it feels good mm -hmm. it does honestly yeah. I still wear them <laughs> I mean they still feel good and I have not had a baby <laughs> <laughs> I mean high-waisted um, yoga pants once you go high-waisted you never go never go why would you yeah no <laughs> yeah no those things are just like little there's some there's a couple brands that you guys could put up that I'm obviously I'm not sponsoring and Show but they're the two, Let us know, yeah. Yeah, they're the two ones that like if you need a more structured support, like super compressive. So these are people with a large abdominal separation or they're having symptoms of prolapse, which is like uterus bladder things kind of pressure down in your vaginal area. SRC Health okay, has yeah. amazing um, high-waisted pants, shorts, and basically all you're doing is you're promoting a healing, um, healing tissue in the right place. So we're just putting tissue in the place to heal. Um, and you can kind of wean yourself off of how many hours a day you're using those. Um, the other one is Bow Bay Maternity, and it's a little bit more flexible, um, 
support, but it, I tell people it's, it's like a reminder to your muscles to kick in. So it's not so much a structural support, but just that like little hug that is needed to wake up the muscles that have kind of fallen asleep while you've been pregnant. Awesome. For Thank real. you for those resources. I'm sure that will be greatly appreciated by our listeners for sure. Yes. We love tangible. Um, yeah. Get it stuff. For sure. Uh-huh. Um, so tell, I want to know if I go do pelvic health physical therapy, like what is that visit going to look like? What am I expecting? Who's yeah. going to be up in my business? <laughs> yeah, I think that's important. So listening to the last, to your last uh, show with Liz on BirthFit, and she was like, you better like the person at the other end of your vagina. I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> um, I totally agree. So what it should look like is, a, you know, that first visit is going to be a lot of the practitioner listen, listening. Um, it's an extensive conversation, that first visit, because it's everything in your health history from sports injuries, like hip injuries, hip pain relates to pelvic pain, relates to pelvic floor dysfunction, low back pain, low back injuries, same thing. Like the nerves that come from our low back feed our pelvic floor. So if, you know, those need to be functioning the same. Um, histories of, of trauma or um, pain with intercourse, or we look at all of those things because your pelvic floor really reacts more to your central nervous system than say like your bicep and your quadricep. So um, there's this awesome study that looked at uh, the first muscles to respond when women were looking at some traumatic or scary images and the first muscles to respond were their pelvic floor. Wow. So that's fascinating. Um, yeah. So like stress, lack of sleep, um, really heavy workouts where you're not allowing yourself rest days, um, traumatic experiences, sexual in nature or not. Um, those women often have a hard time relaxing their pelvic floor or dropping their pelvic floor, which is completely necessary for going to the bathroom, um, having sex. Like our pelvic floor has a range of motion. It's not just up and in. It also needs to be down and out. <laughs> so, um, so we talk about all those things. There'll be an orthopedic assessment, low back, hips. I tell people we look nipples to knees. Um, oftentimes I look at people's feet even. How do you stand? How does your body absorb force? And then if you have pain or you do a certain movement that hurts or you do like the same movement over and over again in life, like you're in the same sport, that PT should be looking at your movement. So if you go to a pelvic health PT and they don't look at how you move off of the table, go to a different pelvic health PT. (laughs) (laughs) Or send them to you to be trained. (laughs) Right. Well, and there are great ones out there, but it just, um, yeah, I think we just need to get away from only on the table. And then we look at your abdominals. So even people who haven't had a baby, there's scars, gallbladder removals, appendix removals. How does your bladder kind of move? All of our organs have a range of motion inside of our bodies, and we need to make sure that that's happening. Um, and then like last but not least is that intervaginal muscle assessment. So we don't say pelvic exam because we're not gynecologists and we're not testing, you know, we're, we're not doing the same sort of testing for disease state. We're really testing muscle function, muscle structure. Are things painful? Do things contract, relax? And 
everything that's done in a pelvic health PT's office is your choice. So a pelvic health PT should give you the choice of the muscular exam and tell you what information they can glean from that if you'd like to or not. Um, there are no stirrups. There's no speculum. It's literally like us sitting beside you, um, sheet covering your lap. And to get down to the details, it's one gloved finger with lubrication. Um, so it really is a muscle assessment. Um, and, and we're, especially after birth, we're kind of seeing if scar tissue is moving, if anything is painful, also looking for like paravaginal defect, which is um, if muscles have been damaged from birth. So not just normal, like muscles are going to expand and then heal back together. That's normal. Or if there was tearing or episiotomy, we consider that still normal. But if there was actual muscular or structural damage, um, we want to know that because that's going to affect kind of your prognosis. What are we looking for here? You can't you can't kegel your way out of a paravaginal defect. <laughs> oh. <laughs> can't use the jade balls. Oh my god! Never the jade balls. Never. <laughs> she says never that. I was just like, I don't think it's normal to like put something there and hang on to it. I'm guessing there's some other so, things I can do. Yeah, and we took we actually like I was in a course all weekend, and the very last thing that we did was like vaginal weights like when and where and who's it good for. And it's like good. It's, it's appropriate for a very small population of people. Mm. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, There's a time and a place and And it's it's not very often. And it's not very often (laughs) because a lot of times women have a hard time relaxing their pelvic floor. And so the last thing we want to do is like overwork the endurance we need endurance. Our pelvic floor muscles are 70% endurance. They're meant to support us all day long. Um, and we need to retrain that. And then we need to relax that. So I have a question for you. Is it appropriate to say that somebody that may have issues with um, like cortisol imbalance or something where they feel like they've got um, constant chronic stress, maybe also experiencing the inability yes. to let go? Yes, ma'am. And relax? Because yes. it's probably been that on my goes- plate. Yes, that goes so hand in hand, as well as um, now that we know a lot more about how our nervous system affects our pelvic floor, it's not all muscular treatment intervaginally. We kind of do that intervaginal assessment. We can make some changes there, um, but we know like where those nerves start in our spine. So let's work on our spine. Let's like relax those nerves. Let's downregulate our nervous system. We work a ton with the autonomic nervous system to get that parasympathetic, sympathetic balance. Um, I mean, a lot of what we do is just educating on on that sympathetic nervous system balance. I feel like I've been learning a little bit more about that because I've been working with so much vagal tone with my daughter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's been this really interesting journey for me to yes. connect all these dots. So like having this interview and literally not knowing hardly anything about pelvic um, wall health. Yeah. I was like, I'm not sure how much I can contribute to this, but I have some questions like that. I mean, even my daughter's five and I can see how she needs a little bit of down regulation already. Yeah. I making all these connecting dots and I'm like, gosh, I would love to put her in a place where she can recognize those times in herself. So that way as she's going into puberty where things are going nuts and crazy, she has a little bit of tools to work with. Absolutely. You know, and, and I know you've worked with younger athletes, but I mean five is like, you know, so I But there are pediatric pelvic health physical therapists for this exact reason. 
because I, I look at her belly and she's Ooh. dealt with so much um, uh, distension like all the time off and on that yeah. I wonder, you know, like what could be done. Like I love so much. having a portfolio of practitioners that can yes. give you all of those tools. And I love that you're have that same mindset, you know? Yeah. I definitely think like with the vagal tone, the biggest thing that we work on there is diaphragm. So, you know, the vagus nerve goes through the diaphragm to reach what it needs to reach. And, um, whether it's with, with little kids and constipation, um, which is a big, like super common with little kids and constipation, we, we can work on breathing, not just for relaxation, but then also we're down regulating the nervous system, but then that diaphragm, if it's able to completely come descend as it's supposed to descend, then the pelvic floor will descend. Mm-hmm. too. So the pelvic floor is like the top of a, of a Coke can, or sorry, the diaphragm is like the top of a Coke can and the pelvic floor is like the bottom, right? So there's this canister that is your core. And so as one goes down, the other goes down because the volume has to stay the same. So mm-hmm. if what, if the diaphragm goes down and the pelvic floor does not go down, then we're going to get pressure forward through our abdomen. And I think that happens a lot to her because yeah. we've really dialed in nutrition and tried to do as much as we can with watching her body. And when we started doing vagal tone work, Cassie really gave me great pointers on what I can do with vagal tone. And it was like pretty quickly gargling was the funnest thing ever. <laughs> like, I love that this is what you're doing, Cassie. I didn't know that you were like, I didn't know oh, that we could connect so on this. CNS is my jam. Oh, this yeah. is so great. Yeah. Cause we also work a lot with the glottis yep. on like mm. opening. Yeah. Like I have women do horse lips when they're preparing to give birth yep. because your mouth what mouth um, structure and tissue was developed at the, at the same time as your pelvic floor, like in utero. And so if you can relax your mouth and jaw, you can relax your pelvic floor. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. That's I feel so like exciting. I just did that. And then my pelvic and floor. it dropped. Right. 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 What just happened? <laughs> I just did so it. So I had, I, oh my gosh. Yes. And you know, I have women like do, I'm going to make a terrible noise into the microphone. I apologize right now. Do it. Do it. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm totally let's, doing that with Lucy. Let's all do it right now. Then it lets you. <laughs> she would love that. Like it for kids, yeah. it's fun. Like gargling. She was like, you want me to what? <laughs> right. I have to like put a napkin over her mouth because it just goes everywhere. But, it's but having fun. women, Yes. Having women do that um, when they are working on getting their core stabilized, but not holding their breath, not doing that Valsalva. So when women get back to like, even just picking up the car seat, but like, oh, I want to get back to doing these certain lifts. I say, you know, until about a year postpartum, I want you to only do the weight that you can do while breathing out. You're not doing the hold your breath back support thing because the tissue is not strong enough. Not that it's not strong enough. That's the wrong word. The structure isn't there. The structure hasn't healed. Um, To support that increase in pressure around your abdominals, that's going to happen if you close off your glottis and you close off your mouth. As soon as you close off your glottis, close off your mouth, then the pressure goes out. Interesting. That's fascinating. And down, and down towards your pelvic floor. So you really need to only be doing the amount that you can exhale through before a lift. And the reason, you know, the reason we hold our breath through a lift to support our back um, 
is only in evidence necessary for something 85% or more of your one rep max. So as you're healing, and I tell women that are like, well, yeah, I want to do that. I want to compete or whatever. I just, I tell, I give them the information and say, why? Like what, why is this so important to you? Because it's not just now, you could totally push through it. You could do it. But three out of four women have structural defects later in life from birth. So it's not just in this postpartum fourth trimester, year after postpartum period that we're thinking about. Like these are the only bladder, uterus, pelvic floor you got. Like mm-hmm. we, <laughs> and they age just like your boobs do. Like mm-hmm. we need to support <laughs> them as long as we can. <laughs> hey, so does our face. So um, right, let's do right. it. Like let's support it. Right, let's do what we can. Yes, uh-huh. I'm all about prevention early. Man, right. I think the hardest part about being in this space is just finding out more things that I need to maintain and take care of. <laughs> and I literally just go, totally. F. Like, so if <laughs> totally. you feel that way, you guys, I feel you. Um, so I want to ask a couple questions of you just because I want to make sure we get this information in because it's something that I know I struggled with at this point. Um, yeah. So I want to know, like, we talk a lot about like the six week clearance and you can you can all of a sudden, okay, now go jump back into running or jump back into whatever you were doing before or whatever. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. And there's so much pressure on us as women to, to get our body back and to, and we, we put that on ourselves. We allow other people to put it on us. I mean, like that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Right. But, uh, but within that, you know, you go in for your six week clearance. I mean, I don't even know if they, they barely look, they just check to see if like my scars had healed from my tearing. Right. Like, have you stopped bleeding? And they're like, yes, no. cool. Bye. So, um, so let's talk about some of those myths kind of surrounding the six week clearance that we get from physicians often. Yeah and what we can do to advocate for ourselves in addition to like what would what would be some good questions to ask during that appointment or have yeah. someone have our our physicians look at so i think that there's been this like large pendulum swing like you were talking about where it's now like a competition on who can run their 5k the fastest with their baby in a stroller after you know postpartum and oh i never stopped lifting and da 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 and Really, it's um, being educated because I feel like a lot of those women wouldn't do that if they were educated or they would know better how to listen to their bodies. And so really taking advantage of that six-week appointment as a time to ask questions and a time to ask for referrals to other, like that is your gateway to referrals. Mm -hmm. So do you need to get some mental health, a mental health practitioner? Like postpartum depression and anxiety, 50% goes undiagnosed. 50%. So don't feel like you're whining or complaining, like get help um, for so many reasons that are a whole nother episode, like postpartum mental health is just so important. The other reason is, um, the other thing to ask while you're there, say that you tore, you had an episiotomy, ask A, how it's healing, but like what grade was it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's different grades of tears and it involves what tissue that tearing went through. So if you do go to a pelvic health physical therapist, one of the things we're going to ask you is, oh, I see that you tore, or I see that you had an episiotomy. Do you know what grade it was? 
because I then really we don't many women know because I, I have no, no idea and I tour in three or four places. Yeah. And that helps us know kind of what we're working with. It's different tissue requires different intervention. And then also like we know what to expect. Kind of like where are we starting? Where's our baseline? Um, that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is, do I have a prolapse? So um, prolapse is kind of a dissension. It's a support dysfunction. So are your bladder, your uterus, and even your colon still being supported up? So they're going to be resting lower than they were. Um, also, they're going to stay kind of resting lower than they were until your hormones are regulated after you stop breastfeeding. That's normal. That doesn't equal a prolapse diagnosis. I wish okay. we could talk about that more too, about yeah. the hormonal, like, like I didn't feel even semi kind of sort of normal until I was about 18 months postpartum with my first. So you're right. so, breastfeeding, right? Yeah. We, and we, but we were done in 11 months. He was done. He was like, I'm done mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it still took, you know, probably six, seven months after that before I was like, okay, I feel like I could consider going back to working out. <laughs> like, right. And so it takes about four months after stopping breastfeeding for hormones to regulate for structure. There you go. And thank you for saying that out loud <laughs> on a recording yes. session. <laughs> yes. And that equals like if everything's optimal. If you're having adrenal fatigue, if you have thyroid issues, like then it's going to be different for everyone, right? There's so many layers for that. From a from a health practitioner perspective, I honestly do not know a woman who's given birth to a baby who Who doesn't have adrenal adrenal exhaustion. Right, right. I don't know because I mean, physically, how could you not? No, you Um, lack of sleep. And it's it's such a and even within that space, like it's so tough for me to work with those postpartum mamas and get them the support that they need because there's so much support that's really helpful that you cannot have while you're breastfeeding. Like right. a lot of it. Right. Um, as far as like supplemental supplement, right. different things like that. So it's just a really tough time and you really right. just got to be a little easier on yourself. I mean, I'm two and a half years postpartum right now and I feel like I'm just now getting that recruitment of my core at the right time in my movement to to not have like the back pain or the pelvic pain that I was having before. And, you know, Grant, I stopped breastfeeding. I mean, I guess it was like almost a year ago, but it was, you know, pretty deep into it. So that four month mark makes a lot of sense to me personally. I like look back on that timeline. I'm like, whoa. But I mean, just thinking big picture about how much our hormone function determines structure in the body is incredible. And pain perception. So Ooh, talk e- about that. I so estrogen, um, there are estrogen receptors, obviously more on the bladder, more on our like pelvic floor. There are estrogen receptors on places we would never think about in our body, but um, heightened estrogen increases your pain perception. So estrogen dominance increases your perception right. of pain. That's Correct. fascinating because and I feel like most women I talk to exhibit a lot of symptoms of estrogen dominance. So that's super fascinating. And then de-estrogenization, which is while you're breastfeeding, your body's estrogen won't replenish until after you're done breastfeeding, um, can cause pelvic pain and uh, vaginal dryness. So women need to know that like a topical estrogen is safe while you're breastfeeding because there's a decrease in um, blood flow and capillaries in the vaginal tissue at that time so that it stays localized. Oh, Um, interesting. 
Right. And so that can really help like pelvic pain. Um, you know, if also along with a full evaluation, pelvic muscle evaluation to see if there's anything else going on, but de-estrogenized vaginal tissue looks completely different. It's going to be paler. It's not going to be as plump. There's going to become some like atrophy of your um, labia and can be really painful. And so some topical estrogen also helps healing of um, perineal tearing, episiotomy tearing, like some people that are having trouble healing estrogen on the tissue. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Lay that down. I probably needed that. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) But that's one of those things to like ask about. Um, Don't be afraid to ask about that. And remember that that six week checkup, I tell women all the time, it's like going in to get your cast off. Like you had, you broke an ankle, you wore this cast for 12 weeks, not six weeks. And then you go get the cast off. You're walking funny when you leave that office. You don't have your gait back. You're not going to go for a run that day. Yes, like structurally things are no longer in danger, but now we have to build up the muscle function, the muscle strength. And the biggest thing, it's not strength, it's coordination. It's getting the muscles that are supposed to s- support you to turn on at the right time. Yes. Yeah. So that you can complete. It's, it's, it's the system communication that really feels yes. really off, which is like, hello, CNS, like central nervous system. Oh, it's all, it's all, it's all neural, it's neurologic. Excuse it's me. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many light bulbs happening right now. I know. Like, <laughs> gosh, we gonna, this episode's going to be long. I don't know. Like... We can never shut up about it. We're just going to have to bring you back on with part two. Yep, part two. Um, can we... um, would love that. Right. <laughs> There's lots more work to do. Um, so I want to ask, like, why the heck does it take so long to get, I don't want to say back into shape. I want to say into shape after, mm-hmm. um, after giving birth. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about the hormonal stuff with the four month mark. So that's a huge factor. Um, The other thing is there's been some structural changes and some central nervous system changes. So, um, you know, your hips, your pelvis, your pelvis is the communication between your upper body and your lower body. Okay. So muscles attaching cross that junction, your abdominal kind of complex muscles go in all different directions so that you can complete complex tasks. And so when that has um, grown and then is healing to come back together after baby, we really have to give it some grace on everything it's supposed to do. (laughs) And so um, yes, healing abdominal separation, but also our pelvic floor muscles are a part of that. Our diaphragm is a part of that. um, And our low back muscles are a part of that core. Oh, but oh my god! I'm so glad you talked about that, Jenny. <laughs> but so different after my second. I gotta, this was on my list of things to talk about. What's the so, mom butt? Like, what's the yes, what's the saggy yes, butt? Yes, yes, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. So, let's walk away from abdominal separation for a minute and talk about glutes. But, so, we know. I think how there are some like structural and neurological things that happen during pregnancy. Your abdominals go, are going forward. You're growing a baby. You're holding a baby. You're its house. It's growing forward. And we actually tuck our butt a little bit. So women think that there's like this huge arch in your back that makes your butt go out. But really, it's your upper body, your thoracic spine shifting back. Oh, that so, makes sense. So it looks like you're arching your lower back a lot. But really, it's the belly going forward and the shift of the upper back tucks your butt. 
-hmm. We can't use our butt muscles if our butt's tucked. So the way that muscles act are from lengthening and shortening. If they're always shortened, then we can't strengthen them. Between my hip bones being all weird and then my butt muscles not getting a lot of workout. After baby, I was like, so what you're saying makes so much sense about what my butt looked like after both babies, but specifically my second baby. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we lose hip extension strength, which is your butt strength, your butt muscles, um, at like month four of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then it stays that way. If not intervened upon until nine months, like the way that we walk stays that way. Is that the waddle? Not even the waddle. Like, yes, the waddle is a thing, but Mm -hmm. right. But we don't have this hip extension power. Mm -hmm. And so really I give a lot of while women are pregnant and not for like hip opening reasons. That's a whole blog post I'm writing. Hip Hip openers. Right. Um, I can't. I can't. Um, can't. It's a whole episode. Hip opening is necessary. Not in the way that people think it is. Um, so I give a lot of strengthening of glutes, like lunges, bridges, squats, but with toes pointed forward instead of toes pointed out. Um, because the way that your hips were for so long were toes pointed out and butt tucked under. And all that's doing is shortening your muscles in one direction over and over again. And so the way that our butt muscles lay, are, it wraps around our, our um, thighs and our pelvis. It like wraps in a circle. That's how the fibers work. And so when we point our toes forward, we're lengthening the fibers. And then when we go down in a squat, we lengthen even more and we come up in a squat, it shortens. So do some squats with your toes pointed forward. They're not going to be as heavy. You're not going to be able to lift as much weight. You're not going to go as deep, but you're, you're um, training those glute muscles in a functional way to not be shortened all the time. Hmm. I could use well, that. and we already deal with like a lack of firing of the hamstrings and the glutes anyway, because of our pelvic tilt from freaking sitting at 90 degrees all the time as human beings. Like there's right. so many like structural issues that we all have going into pregnancy in the first place. And then those are, I'm sure, exacerbated if not corrected on their own. And then you've got all the other issues that happen after that. Right. Just habits. I mean, we, our body is really good at being efficient and we're going to find the most efficient, easiest way for our body to do something. Um, and so if we've been doing something efficiently for 10 months, why would we change that? You know, our, our nervous system gets hardwired to do something over and over again. And that's why healing takes so long because you have to be so intentional about breaking those habits and doing the non fun stuff while you're healing to rewire your nervous system. It's all about relearning and the brain. It's not like strength and how many of these can you do. It's the strategy and intention behind it. Gosh, isn't that just like holistic healing in general? This is just a lot of like neural retraining, habit retraining. (laughs) Totally. It all overlaps. Yep. hundred percent. Um, okay. I want to wrap up our conversation today with a little bit of advice. So what kind of advice would you give, um, you know, postpartum women, women, like looking to get back into physical activity, even like a year or two into their postpartum journey. Um, like who, who do we need in our village of practitioners? What should we be yeah. connected with? What direction should we, cause I think so many times, like we'll have people who are like, Oh, you should just do yoga or you should just lift right. or you should just run or you should just modify. And, 
we're, and I think it's just exactly what you right. which modifying for pregnancy and modifying for postpartum is not a thing. It, it, I mean, to a certain extent, different goals, different goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I love that you talked earlier about using like it, it should, it ought to be goal-based, right? It ought to be based on what you totally. want. And then I love that you asked why, what's the, right. why do you need to start running at six weeks in or one year in or whatever it is? Like, why do you need that? Right. Is, is it the appropriate movement for you right now? Chances are it's not. Um, right. right. Or like, is there something that we can do that's going to give you the same mental space that you're craving or the same yeah. sweat that you're craving or the time out of the house or the routine yeah. or like, so the like, why is never the, like, oh, I need to run a six minute mile. What's a really good way to sweat and kind of be safe in your movement as you're in that healing journey? I mean, it's definitely different for everyone. Um, if you're, <laughs> we're going to get... <laughs> Sorry, I my lack of boundaries are um, different apologize. as a pelvic health physical therapist. They're Don't apologize. We get real, um, <laughs> real here. just a matter of time. So if you're get real, real about people's vaginas and such, yeah. So. Um, your if your perineum is healing appropriately, meaning um, the space between your vagina and your anus, um, where there's often tearing and healing that needs to occur. If there's good healing there, and you're not sore and you're not tender and everything's happening. Spin is a great adjunct to some strength. Like if you're looking for like a sweat activity, okay. oh, um, gosh, you're speaking to my scared side. I've always <laughs> wanted to do spin, but I'm it's scared. really fun. It's quite fun. <laughs> it's fun, and I'm also that person that like needs to go somewhere out of my house. Yeah, and so too. I'm a like that's where yeah. I go mentally. Um, also, I mean, I love a circuit. Like. I work with a lot of women that want to do, want to get a sweat in and I give them some safe exercises to do in a circuit fashion. And like we can, if your abdominal wall isn't strong enough to do a plank or push-ups, but you want those types of movements, we can modify that for you. Um, and you know, change those, those types of things. I also like to start and end a workout with intentional kind of that neuromuscular re-education excuse me. So starting a workout with, if I know I have a hard time firing my transverse abdominus before a certain thing, or if I know, you know, my left hip needs some extra attention, I start a workout with that so that I kind of prime the nervous system so that those things are kicking in before a workout. And then I end with that just in case I, you know, sped up a little bit or got competitive with myself and forgot my form. Um, then I'm ending with reteaching my body kind of what it should be doing. Strengthen those neural pathways. Exactly. Hone in on those guys. Love that. Okay, cool. Well, Laurel, I'm really grateful that you just jumped in with us because I think so much, you know, I, we're kind of moving toward all of two out of three of our guests so far have been about like postpartum health um, and prenatal health and all of that. But I think this conversation is so important and it's one where again, like we tend to get stuck in this place where we don't, we don't know what to do and we don't yeah. have the resources and we don't know who to look to for information. Cause we're getting different information from every single person, but the majority of it is wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think There's, it's well-intentioned. It's yeah, just always, always. I mean, honestly, so much bad information out there is well-intentioned yeah. in fact. Right. So, so right. 
<laughs> exactly. So, um, so we're just really grateful to have this conversation. So, um, so Femme Unfolding is your new uh, venture that you're yeah. investing into. So Laurel will be working from Germany, which is amazing. It's exciting. Um, cray cray. Where your your <laughs> your partner is stationed, and so this is something that you know I. I have been waiting for you to launch for a very long time. <laughs> I've been on the other end of it going, Hey, like I see you over there. Let's do this. Um, and so if you guys tap into what Laurel is doing, she'll be on Instagram at fem.unfolding. And obviously we'll link in the show notes for you guys as well as fem dot or femunfolding.com. And on her Instagram, I'm going to be helping with some content there about like postpartum health and wellness in the nutrition space. So I'm really excited to be partnering with you on that. Yeah. But I'm so excited for that I, little fourth trimester series. We're going to do a whole month of fourth trimester nutrition, physical activity, lactation consultant, mental health, oh nurse practitioner, oh um, and then a few mamas who've had some experiences that I feel like so many people can relate with, um, just to start the conversation off um, and let people know that it's a place to get some good information. Awesome. Resources so are fabulous. So fabulous. So fabulous. So, um, and that launch of that fourth trimester series, um, is going to kick off around the first week of October when this episode airs. So we will make sure to link to that directly for you guys. So you can check out some of those posts and, um, and really extend the learning that we've just barely even scratched oh the gosh. surface today. I could have kept talking for a while. But. Um, a long while, <laughs> but we know everybody has things to do. So, <laughs> um, including us. So, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for being here and kind of really starting this conversation in our space, because I think it's incredibly important. This is something that needs to be occupied in the health and wellness space, especially in alternative holistic health and wellness. Um, you know, it's thank so you guys so much for having me on. I've love and can chat about this stuff for days. So I love it. We appreciate you. So, Very much. all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We, we uh, will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. All right. Jen, do you want to like... Yep. You're recording. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to formalize that? Or do we want to just take what Laurel said and put it in there? We're, we're just going to put it. it in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because otherwise people are going to be like, who's this Laurel girl? I know. Who's this um, person talking? Who's this, who this lady? Who this? Who this? You are, and I put up with them. That's true. Um, I'm obsessed with the boobers. You're obsessed, and I put it. It's the same thing as like Disney. You're obsessed, <laughs> and I put up with it. Um, <laughs> she gives me room to be myself. Thank you. <laughs> we can do that after because we'll intro. We'll intro. Just, just a heads up we do a little section like that. So, we'll... oh, I know. I'm oh, she knows. And parched. How's the old um, weather in the P&W these days? <laughs>
It just got PNW-ish. Yeah, <laughs> like yesterday. Just not. It's just not. <laughs> so, anyways, okay, let's get started. Let's go. Let's go. I'm kind of nervous. Cool. I'm so excited. 